Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? Going all right for me. I can't say the same for you. Um, why is that? Because you you lost to me again in Wordle today. And, and by lost, I mean you really, really lost. I am so mad. This is Friday uh, that we're recording this. It looks like from social media that a lot of people are mad. But um, I don't, I don't want to give this away for anyone. Although by the time they hear this, I mean, maybe it posts later today. Maybe by the time most people hear this, it's already passed. That's ridiculous. Like New York Times sh- should not... At some point, it's it needs to be fun. Like this isn't a hey, let's stump the world. Of course, you you actually got it in five, which is a lot for me. I'm mad about that. Yeah, but I, I got it in five because I got from you. Like, I mean, I did my normal thing, and I was like, well, what could this be? Because Amy didn't get it because you texted me earlier, and I'm like, well, let's see. A, let's start at the weirdest ones and go from right. there, and. So for, for our listeners to know, this is something that in addition to having a conversation once a week about the SBC, I don't post my Wordle scores no, uh, on social, but we will, we will tell each other. So it's yes. like, hey, here's what I got. And I, I mean, I, I, think it's a, I think it speaks well that I actually sent it to you this morning <laughs> when, I was full, when I was full of shame. I mean, it's and, been and my- rage. As well. It's been months since I lost yeah. completely. It's been never since. Oh, hush. Still hush. perfect. Well, I'm sorry, Amy. I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah. So it's okay. Um, it, it'll be all right. It's just a word game. It's just a word game. Don't let it there ruin you your perspective on life today. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump into it. We got some big news to get to this weekend. We got a new entity head out there. In the SBC. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Many of you are already well aware of that, but before we get into that, we do want to thank our sponsor each and every week Texas Baptist College and Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you're looking for a Christ centered, scripture driven, and student focused undergraduate education, then look no further than Texas Baptist College, located in Fort Worth, Texas, there on the campus of Southwestern Seminary. Texas Baptist College is dedicated to providing trustworthy Christian higher education to undergraduate students, no matter where God is calling them. And on October 21st, you have the opportunity to explore everything Texas Baptist College has to offer at its fall preview day. Students and parents are invited to tour the campus, talk to faculty, explore degree offerings, and meet fellow students. Let Texas Baptist College help you find your calling. Fall preview day is free, so get registered today at texasbaptist.com slash preview. That's Texas Baptist College on the campus of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. All right, Amy, I mentioned it a minute ago, but we have a new entity head in the SBC, and he is uh, no stranger to the pod, no stranger to the ERLC. Brent Leatherwood was named the ninth president of the entity this week. Like you said, new entity head, but not terribly new because he's been the interim for uh, almost, I mean, what? I think 15 months, 14 months, something like that. Yeah, yeah, not quite a, a year and a half, but getting close, so... Um, well, actually, no, because Daniel Patterson was the interim just for, for a couple a little of months, while. though. Right, right. So, anyway, it's a uh, anyway, it's it's a 
still a big announcement because this sort of settles in stone that Brent will be the president of the ERLC. He says he will base his time in that position on God's word and the Baptist faith in message representing with biblical clarity about the issues that matter to Baptists, the inherent value of life, religious liberty at home and abroad, human dignity, and the flourishing of families. In the articles at Baptist Press, there's one of them about the announcement, and then there's another one about how his interim leadership basically paved the way for permanent leadership uh, that he's got over at the ERLC. And I could not agree more with that, name. Because that is yeah. exactly what needed to happen after you know these few months and seeing Brent's leadership, and I think he's done a fantastic job. Yeah, and this really is a great story from Tom Strode, just talking about the process itself and how the search committee was looking for some specific things that at first, uh, you know, he acknowledged that the group didn't initially consider yeah. Brent, but then you know, kind of how that developed and, and changed over time and how his leadership in the transitional season is what ultimately led them to say, this is the guy. Yeah. And, and not only that, but unanimous, right? No one voted wrongly. So that was exciting to see from the ERLC this week. They also had a trustee meeting. Obviously, I mean, there was, that was part of the trustee meeting and I was there, uh, in other news at the trustee meeting, cause they did do other things. Amy, it wasn't just that. Uh, but in other news at the trustee meeting, they approved a review of the commission's bylaws to be conducted by a three-trustee working group in conjunction with their general counsel, Palmer Williams. They also re-elected Lori Bova as the chair, Kevin Smith as the vice chair, and then also added Juan Sanchez of Texas as the secretary over there at the ERLC's board and approved a 2022-23 operating budget of just more then $3.688 million. It's about $224,000 less than last year. And then one final thing, they also voted without opposition. This is kind of neat, Amy, to require criminal and sex registry background checks of all current and future trustees. They did this uh, and quote, until or unless the SBC incorporates a background check into their nominating committee process. So something flowing out of what we saw from the Sex Abuse Task Force uh, this past summer. All right. There you go. All right, Amy, over to the North American Mission Board this week, where they announced that Matt Carter, the former pastor at Houston Sagemont Church, will come on board as a vice president of mobilization for the SIN Network. So Matt announced to his congregation last Sunday that he's going to retire as senior pastor, but he will join the team of NAM. He had come to Sagemont just a few years ago, May of 2020, um, after serving 18 years at Austin Stone. That was a church he planted in 2002. He did discuss that some health issues played a role in that decision just because of, uh, he explained there were some, some things that he has with his heart that I think stress levels and the day-to-day of pastoral work, uh, I think it was just determined with his doctors that it was best for him to not be doing that. But this is a role that's just a little bit different, offers some leadership and then uh, offers leadership, doesn't require him to move. So he plans to uh, still be in Houston and be a member of Sagemont. But, uh, and I think I, I heard him in his announcement say he might even teach a Sunday school class, things like that, but he will be engaging Southern Baptists in the mission of reaching North America. And he will be working with Vance Pittman and the SIN Network, things like that. So very good. Yes. Yeah, so congratulations to Matt and to Vance on that. Uh, it's sad to see the reason for having to leave the pastorate there, but uh, I'm glad that he'll be able to help out with SIN Network as they engage local churches 
in the process of discovering, developing, and deploying more church planners throughout the United States, Canada, and Puerto Rico. All right, Amy, final story this week, kind of a light news week, some big news, but not much of it uh, this week. But uh, the Kentucky Disaster Relief uh, Group up in Kentucky, this past weekend, they trained more than 200 volunteers in a weekend event. That picture there is pretty spectacular. So a 200-person training at Grafenberg Baptist Church this past weekend in Wadi, Kentucky. An amazing group of trainees for Southern Baptist disaster relief work. And Amy, I don't know if you're looking at the story in Baptist Press, but that is not a gavel that Glenn Hickey is holding. And if it is a gavel, that's a weird gavel. It's a spoon. That's a spoon. But he was he was demonstrating how you can use random objects as a means to share the gospel. So he's talking about how when they are helping people, ways, kind of pathways to turn what they're doing into uh, into talking about the gospel. So it's it was a training, and, and this is good because it's not just practical, tangible training about disaster relief, but it also is saying, here's why we do what we do, and here's how, how to do that. Yeah. And, you know, the ultimate goal of our disaster relief, folks, is, is not just to bring relief on the physical side. It's the spiritual side as well. I mean, our, our disaster relief volunteers across the country uh, they go into these natural disaster areas to, you know, really do to help and to bring help to the people who have physical needs. But at the end of the day, their ultimate goal there is to help with spiritual needs in the area as well. And that's something that uh, I know our Kentucky Baptist friends, as well as our Tennessee, Alabama, Louisiana, and on all of the disaster relief groups across the country are really focused on. And that is a great ministry that we have across the country as Southern Baptist. And uh, glad to see another 200 people being trained in the great state of Kentucky. All right, that's going to do it for our news this week. And bring us to my favorite part of the week, this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right, so we're going to look at 1984. You know how I love uh, data analysis, how I love to see studies. And this is something that you sent to me this week. Oh, yeah. So uh, normally I do all kinds of like random searches and stuff, but you sent it and I thought, nope, this is the one we're going to talk about this. So uh, this is a registration analysis of the annual meeting. Now we've seen things like this before. We have an annual meeting survey, um, but this was actually, remember it's 84. So it's during the time where there's a lot of tension and um, lots of like large, like the the meeting, you know, engagement meeting. Well, this is the year before the biggie. Increasing, right. Remember? This is the year before the 45,000 one. But there had also been a lot of questions in previous years about integrity of messenger registration. There was some uh, controversy in 78, um, in 79 as well. And so one of the things that they were doing was just trying to, to do some various things to demonstrate the integrity of the registration process. And so this analysis was, was one of them. So uh, it was, was one of those things. So Lee Porter was the registration secretary and uh, they're giving all of this. Now that's that in itself, the context is very interesting. What I'm more intrigued by, it was just some of the things that, they found. So here's some, just some interesting facts, and then we'll put the link in the show notes so people can go look at it. Um, this is following up in 84, uh, which was in Kansas city. Lee Porter said only 7,052 churches sent messengers. That's 
of Still pretty the 36,000 churches. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, 92% came with the right credentials. So uh, it says an additional 6% registered by letter. Like most of them had re- registration credentials properly filled out. So that's when they- yeah. There was no internet know, pre-registration back then. Right. But they had something they could fill out. 6% brought letters. 2% had telegrams, which would mean basically they probably just like headed to Kansas City, didn't have their stuff. See, that's the part that like really I like was the 2% yeah. with the telegram. Yeah. Like I can't imagine somebody showing up today to Don Currents and going, here's a telegram for my church. Right. Well, you don't, I mean, who sends telegrams anymore? Nobody. We got I email. don't think Western Union does it anymore, do they? We got email, right. Um, this was interesting that uh, in Houston, which was, I guess, in like 79, like only 48% had properly filled out their registration cards. Wow. So this, they had a big push um, after that, after all these questions, probably because they were having to hunt down, you know, if people brought letters and stuff, what it means. Well, you know why this was? It wasn't, I, I, I'm not going to say it was because people were trying to do nefarious things. I don't really think that's the case. No, I, I don't either. Was, you had a lot of first time people coming and they just didn't know the process. That's right. And so they're bringing, and so my, my guess is, and I need to go back and look at the details on this, but you had these large groups, like you said, first time they didn't know what to do. They're bringing letters probably. And then the registration team is having to kind of hunt down. Does it tick all the boxes? And so the forms are much more important at that stage to be able to check everything. Yeah. Um, so they clearly had put, had done a big push to get, to get to where they did to have um, 92% coming with yeah. that. You know what they you really know, needed, so they, Amy, so, back then? The what? road to Kansas City. Yes, they did. They needed a video series that went out to everyone on the internet that no one had. Just watch it on your phone. For, that's right. That's right. Um, so a few other things that were interesting is more than three quarters of the churches participating, 75.92% were represented by less than two messengers. Um, most churches were represented by one family, generally the pastor uh, and um, maybe the pastor's wife, kids. Six states provided more than half of the participation, Missouri, Texas, Tennessee, North Carolina, Georgia, and Kentucky. Only 521 churches had more than six messengers and only 131 had 10, which that was the maximum at that mm, time. Okay. So out of 7,052 churches, only 131 had the max. Only four states had more than 10 churches that had their full wow. slate, Missouri, Texas, Tennessee, and Kentucky. Well, that's no surprise based on what's in those states and where they are. Also, uh, this is just interesting. So by the close of registration Sunday, they were at 3,539. By 3 p.m. Monday, they were up to 8,774. It climbed to 11,283 by Monday night. And then by the time the presidential election happened, registration was 16,132. Wow. Um, So... They registered 8,000 people on Monday. Yeah. That's a lot. Just throwing that out there. That's right. a lot of people to move the registration. Yeah, it, it really, wow. really is. So anyway, it's just, it's, it's very interesting to see um, where they are. They, the 
the final call was, uh, let's see, 17,101 by two. It says from 3 p.m. Tuesday until the close of the convention, they registered only like a thousand more. I'm always amazed. I never stop being amazed by the people who register after the presidential election because that's kind of the. There are lots of other things. Amy, I there's think, a lot more important business than just the presidential I know that. election. I know that. And I am the one that says that to everyone. All the business is important. But we do know that the big movement is always toward that. That's kind of the moment that you see everyone in the room. And so I'm always amazed by people who register after that because I'm just like, everything's done. I mean, lots of business happens before that. You've missed everything. Why did you hey, even come? Somebody has to be there to approve the committee on nominations. Report. I bet well, that we was don't know. a big deal back then, honestly. Yeah, and we don't know if it had happened. It may have already happened by 3 p.m. Tuesday. I don't know. I haven't looked at the order of business from that. My point is people who do it after all the business happens. I'm like, did you just do that to tell your church that you did? <laughs> so, yes, they did. Yeah. So, so anyway, here's my registration packet. I went. Yep. So we always love breaking down. Uh, kind of how things are working, what what engagement levels are like. And I was very interested when you sent that to me that uh, they were doing the same in 1984 and they did it this week in SBC history. So always good facts. Facts are our friends. Yes, according they are. To, um, Ed Stetzer, good friend of the pod. And so uh, it's good help helps us to see um, improvement uh, over time or, you know, change, whatever. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, that brings us to our resources of the week. My resource of the week is the Experiencing God Bible, new from Lifeway in the CSB uh, translation. It's the first time we've ever had an Experiencing God Bible. Can you believe that? That's kind of surprising. Yeah. So first published 1990. I I thought it was actually older than that. Honestly, I thought the Experiencing God Bible studies were, were older than that by Henry Blackaby and Claude King. Uh, back in 1990. Yeah. And uh, 8 million copies later in 32 years, 75 languages. Now we have a Bible that uh, kind of incorporates the experiencing God theme into the study Bible. So kind of neat. How, how does it do that? Is it like, are, are there sort of right. studies from well, it that Amy, are? I'm glad you asked. It features throughout? book introduction, prompts for encountering God, biographies of biblical characters, and full color design elements. Perhaps most notable, however, is each chapter of the Bible is bookended with a set of prepare-to-meet-God questions at the beginning and a did-you-notice follow-up question at the end. This unique feature, woven from the pages of Genesis to the final Amen in Revelation, allows Christians to use this Bible for systematic study through each chapter and book or for a pick-up-and-go study in any section of Scripture. I just ripped that off the top of my head. Um, Yeah, I found the web page and started reading it along with you but um (laughs) there's some really good stuff it looks like uh that it's got wide margins so you can write in it that's always really important to me and uh that's cool i like that prepare to meet god that's a little ominous but uh, i think that's part of the i don't think that's how they study so i did so i got the experiencing god study when i was in college my roommate's mom gave it to me and um i I'd never seen anything like it before. I loved it. Oh, that's neat. Well, Claude King lives here in Nashville and uh, works at Lifeway and got to know him while I worked at Lifeway as well. Uh, Great guy and hung out with Henry Blackaby over the years as well. So he's in 
kind of frail health right now, Amy. I don't know if you've seen yeah. that. Uh, yeah. His son Richard has been sharing that, but uh, be in prayer for uh, Henry and his wife. Uh, they have both uh, had some really challenging health issues over the past few months. So, Yep. All right, Amy, your resource of the week is? All right. Mine is uh, something that some friends of mine have been doing for a few years now. And this is a Christmas-themed resource of the week, which I'm always resistant to talking I about the holidays. I thought you were going to be like some multi-level marketing thing, you know, talking about no. your friends have been doing it for a few years. No. Okay. Um, I'm always resistant to like, I went to Sam's Club the other day and saw Christmas stuff out and I was not happy. It's after Labor Day. I'll, I'll allow it. But when you have something that you need to order, you got to talk about it beforehand. Well, unless you get it from Amazon. But carry on. Right. Right. But this is something called um, Advent Blocks. And it's basically, it's for families um, with kids. And I've, I've seen it because some because uh, some other friends of mine, like a, a couple of friends developed this and then another uh, group, folks in my small group do it. So basically it's these wooden blocks that you line up on the mantle and you um, every day you read a story that has a guide with it and you turn the number block to reveal an image and then you move, there's like a star block that sits on top and you move it one step closer um, to the end where, uh, that has a, a block of the earth and it's God is coming, you know, to earth to stay. And then you turn the blocks one more time on Christmas Eve. And it has like a special message, uh, that says Emmanuel God with us. So I was talking to, um, my, uh, so it's our, our friends, Clayton and Chris, who Those developed awesome. this. Yeah. They're really cool. So it I was talking book to, and everything. yeah, I was talking to Clayton about it the other day. And he was telling me that, um, three or four years ago, his daughter commented right before Christmas. You, he said, uh, mom and dad, you, you keep saying that Christmas is all about Jesus, but it feels like it's all about presents. Ooh. And it like crushed him. And he realized like, well, it's too late to do anything about that now. It was like on Christmas Eve, but he started like, he started thinking about it the next year wanting to, um, wanting to change that for his family and he loves woodworking and stuff. So he made this, he, he was making this for his own family. Then he started sharing with some other people. So uh, over the last three or four years, it's increased where like tons of people are doing this. So it's been a whole like organic thing, but they have gotten so much interest from a lot of people that they also do something that's a local church program where you can get like, if, if a church gets them in bulk, you know, for their members to, to buy then they get like 30%. It's a 30% discount if they get them, you know, in bulk for their members. Uh, so I think it's really cool. And we're a little past, past this. We had some Advent um, traditions that we did a calendar, but I still might get this because I think it's just a really, we have a mantle and it's just a really pretty, uh, they come, come in a really pretty box and everything. So what I'm putting in here, I'm going to put it in the show notes. It's got something where it has a video where you can watch and see how it works. And then you can look at like, if, you know, if you're a church leader or, you know, do kids ministry or whatever, and you want to look into the local church program to get more, um, you can, or if you want to buy it for yourself or whatever, but it's a great, great thing. This looks great. I've, I'd never heard of this. But, uh, I love it. I think it's fantastic. And they have an Easter one. They have a and then right. the uh, the Sabbath box. We're not going to talk about that. So. It, okay. <laughs> it's, it's free to put your phone in on the weekend or whatever. So, 
Oh man, that's tough. <laughs> that's tough. But yeah, they have a lot of convicted good. Convicted by me. <laughs> yeah, they they have a resources lot of good re- yes, they have a lot of good resources with like you said the Easter blocks, Sabbath box, Gratitude, things like that. Um, but the Advent blocks definitely are something. Um, if you look at it and you like it, go ahead and and grab it now because you can get it started in December. Yeah. All right. Well, very cool. All right. So that's neat, Amy. I, I like that. I like that a lot. And you get ten percent off if you join their mailing list or whatever. So, that's right. Yeah. That's so, right. Really cool. All right. Digging that. Okay. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the news this week. Amy, uh, Monday's going to be a hard day for you. I'm sorry. It's, uh, I have been watching so many of the the different um, traditions and rituals. The processional was really beautiful and uh, lots of facets of, of this week that are just fascinating to me. So yeah. I, t- I told someone the other day, I don't understand why. Like I look, I watch it. I watch the processional. I'm fascinated by this sort of national liturgy that they have in a moment like this. And it seems so beautiful and grounding. And then I have to stop and think I'm an American and I really do believe in James Madison's vision for what we do (laughs) over here. But I just love that so much. So it's kind of a funny uh, experience, but yeah. Good story in uh, Baptist Press this week about a good friend of the pod. Ashlyn Portero yes. and the work that her church uh, over in Queens Park is doing there in London, uh, using this as a time to, to reach people with the gospel. So do check yeah. that out as well. I'll drop that link down in the show notes as well. So. Yep. All, All right. right. Well, Amy, see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>